Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is my friend, a New York City-based actress who has also worked on the production side of things and the administrative roles for theater companies in New York. You've just done everything, haven't you? <laughs> I've kind of, yeah, I've like dipped my hands in a, a few different uh, pots. It's Samantha Blinn, everyone. Hey, hey, everyone. What's what happening? What haven't you done in theater? Have you directed? Um, I've I've assistant directed. I've never directed my my own show, but I I've assistant directed. Uh, I dabbled with stage management, which I've learned is not my forte. But we, you know, we do what we got to do. And then uh, I've done more on like the producing side and uh, started a couple of theater companies and stuff. Yeah, it's it's been it's been fun. It's been fun so far. Well. When I told you about the this podcast, you, without missing a beat, was just like Evening Primrose. Oh, yeah. Can I ask you why you picked this one out of the plethora of things out there? It's such a strange movie musical. It was adapted for TV, right? And it, it, it came out in... Uh, 1966 right yeah and I feel like it's just it's something that a lot of people don't necessarily know about and it's also Stephen Sondheim which like can we talk about that for a second that's you know he's he's my favorite and um I feel like it's it's a part of his work that people just really don't know that much about and I remember I first came across it in college um because I was I was actually singing so I, I did musical theater in undergrad and um for class we we had a uh, Stephen Sondheim unit um, because, you know, uh, he, just, he deserves his own unit. Like you can't yes. really put him in any other category. She's like, okay, no. let's like look at Stephen <laughs> Sondheim for a few weeks. And I ended up picking, uh, I remember, which is Ella's song about halfway through the movie. Uh-huh, and yes. so I was doing like my prep work for that. And I was like, okay, well, obviously I need to watch what it came from. And I was completely blown away by just like how weird of a concept this story is. Um, I mean, I'm not mad. I'm just like, oh, not I, I, at all. I literally should just be kissing the ground you walk on because thank <laughs> you for making me watch this. So little background on Evening Primrose. It was part of ABC's Stage 67 series. It's season one, episode nine, titled obviously Evening Primrose. The screenplay was by James Gold- Goldman. And the story is by James John Collier, mm-hmm. adapted by the short story of the same title, by him obviously music and lyrics by the one and only Stephen Sondheim bless bless it's directed by Paul Bogart I hope I'm saying his last name right premiered November 16th 1966 which I know you did a little research but apparently it was in color and what yes so the original airing of it was in color and then they lost that somehow uh what did I write down it was lost. That's all I, it was lost. Uh, oh yeah. Original telecast was in color, but the master tape was lost. So then they had the black and white version, which was interesting because Stephen Sondheim had was asked for a tape version of it. And then he made copies for his friends who then 
leaked it out <laughs> and then by like 2010 there was a dvd of it so that's wild i mean yeah because i feel like it seems to have just disappeared like between like its premiere in the mid 60s until the dvd came out in 2010 there doesn't seem to be that much information on it no so, like it was just like the lost stephen sondheim musical yes like it and it's interesting that this was for this program it mm-hmm. wasn't like uh an, a stage version or anything like that yeah and according to imdb a man becomes part of a secret society of people who live in a department store and quickly falls in love with their leader's young maid i was just a little confused by these people the this oh quote yeah unquote secret society uh-huh totally they to me just seemed like obviously they're all played by older actors mm-hmm and they just seemed like people who were done with life, but didn't want to die per se. Yeah. So like, what what better than to just go and live in a department store? Where? Because <laughs> what else are you going to do? That's kind of what it feels like. What else are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> so the movie has 14 songs, give or take. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the ones that are credited, though, are just instrumentals. Yeah. So really, there's like five. <laughs> yeah, with lyrics, with lyrics. You've got If You Can Find Me, I'm Here, which is the first song. Literally the first thing that happens. Yeah, he um, like pops out from behind a curtain and then yeah. starts like rambling off in like true. I mean, you hear the, just the beginning of the song and you're like, oh, yeah, the, no, this is definitely Sondheim. This is Sondheim. Let's like, yeah. yeah, let's throw in some like patter, quick talking sing and action happen and then he's like he pops out and you're like oh hey anthony perkins like of course you're gonna be in like this (laughs) musical about a poet that lives in a department store like i don't know it's just it's wild but i i love that a lot of these songs so you have that one checklist i counted as a song because anthony perkins does do more patter to it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um then you have i remember obviously when is another song and then take me to the world oh yeah which is the, the last one so there's that's five right there mm-hmm. one yeah two three four yeah five 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 actual songs and then you have other ones that are instrumentals which i'll touch on later yeah but the five songs that have lyrics you can definitely tell that he stole from himself later in life <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I think I where I wrote down a note. So when had like a very like, I, well, I don't know, like when you listen to it, when you listen to it, it has the first show I thought of was company. And then interesting. Yeah, just because I don't know, it had a very company feel for it uh, to it. But then thinking on it now, it has like a little bit of like, soon now later vibes from uh, a little night music in terms of like, yeah, and I was I was thinking if you can find me, I'm here ends like I'm still here. Because mm-hmm. he just says, "I'm, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here," and I'm just like, the music and the way that it's say, being sung kind of just sounds like I'm still here. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I knew "Take Me to the World" before this, and I didn't realize it. Yeah, it somehow became a very one of his like very popular songs, and I just think that. You know, it's just one that's kind of in the arsenal of Stephen Sondheim duets, but not many people actually know where it came from. I don't know it from that. Oh, really? (laughs) Right. So last year, Mm -hmm. 2020, Mm -hmm. 
one of the good things that happened during 2020 is that there was this album that came out called Losing My Mind, a Sondheim disco fever dream. Yes. Where, <laughs> where Joshua Hink, Hink and Scott Wasserman, I, I'm so sorry, gentlemen, if I'm saying your name wrong, your name's wrong, disco-fied Stephen Sondheim songs and then created mashups with some of them. And Take Me to the World is the last track. I love that. Part of a mega, it's part of the mega mix. I love the other song. So like when when they started singing, I was just like, I know this song, (laughs) but I know it like a little faster and a little more upbeat and everything. And then I was just like, got it. (laughs) I know that album is actually on my list of things to listen to, but I was very excited to see that it came out. Oh, it's so good. You will love it. I'm sure. You will salivate over it. I'm sure. Um, But I want to talk about the origins of this. Yeah. So John Collier, who is a British-born author and screenwriter, most known for his short stories, wrote Evening Primrose, obviously. Uh, It was published in 1940. And then it was adapted for a radio program that happened. Okay, so Wikipedia and IMDb say two separate dates. Okay. I wrote down, though, the Wikipedia one because... I trust that one a little more than IMDb for whatever reason. <laughs> so I have September 12th, 1948. Oh, interesting. I have, uh, was the other date November 7th, 1947? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I came, I, well, I'm curious as to which one is right. It's Cause I, true. Yeah. Cause like Wikipedia is that source that either has like all like so much correct information because people keep contributing to it or it just has like people messing around with you to just like change details. Well, so if you get, if you, okay. So I had to do a deep dive into this cause there wasn't that much trivia on Evening Primrose. Mm-hmm. There's one that is hilarious though. To look up the short story, you know, and obviously this radio program, I went to there with the Escape Radio Program's Wikipedia page mm-hmm. where they listed out all the episodes and mm. told you. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little more inclined to trust that, but... Yeah, I would too. I To settle the argument, let's just say it happened 1948-ish. Into it. I'm into it. <laughs> let's commit to it. Yes. But you were telling me before we started recording that you actually listened to it. Yeah, so I uh, I found it last night. It's actually on Spotify. Like, all, like stop it. Yeah. So Escape has, uh, they have like all the old recordings from the radio play, like this Escape radio play on Spotify. Because <laughs> I, you know, I I when I was looking some stuff up last night, I was like, oh yeah, it's a radio play. Cool. I was like, I wonder, and you know, there it was. So I listened to it on my um, commute home from work today, and it is wild, especially like when you've already seen the movie. Mm-hmm. It's so much darker because like the the relate really? yeah like the relationship between um Charles and Ella is not as like flowery romantic as it's portrayed in the movie. I mean, he was a little rapey towards her. Oh, well oh yeah, I mean like I am not a stan of his at all. Like, <laughs> not, even, not even a little bit, which we can get into as we like go go through the movie. Like uh, he's not my favorite. Would you say though that that was more in the writing or more in the acting? Because it was, the radio play was a play where they had multiple voices, right? Mm -hmm. So I found the short story yesterday too, but I didn't end up actually taking a read through it. But I I started listening to a little bit of the radio play last night and uh, saw that there were like some differences between, 
like I clearly the radio play had been adapted from the original right, right, um, right, right. short story. But the the difference with Charles and Ella's relationship is that Charles was in love with Ella, but Ella wasn't in love with Charles. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's very different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ella was in love with one of the dark men. Fascinating. Yeah. And it like that's when if we're talking about some like rapey vibes, like it sounds like it was like a very complicated thing. And it sounded like she had an encounter with one that was not particularly pleasant i listened to it and i was on the train like clutching my pearls like what what am i what am i listening to right now but um it's not halloween why am i scared why am i why am i terrified right now so that was pretty wild because he like professed his love to her and and like he was like uh i did he say run let's run away or he's like oh he said come live with me in like my part of the department store or something like that and she said that she was in love with somebody else and he's still like, is they're still friends, and he goes to rescue her at the end. That's like the big difference. From, uh, yeah, they don't they don't try to escape and mm-mm. sing loudly. Take okay. me to the world reprise. Yeah, like okay, what were they expecting to happen? I know we're like jumping ahead a little bit, but what were they expecting to happen? Singing a reprise while they're being chased by some dark men? Like I don't understand that at all. So this may be like one of those musical conventions where the reprise might be there. Like it was interesting. What I really liked. I'm jumping around with different thoughts because yeah. I'm figure, figuring things out. <laughs> what I loved was when, because that was something that happens a lot in theater mm-hmm. where it's obviously their internal monologue, but like you have to, you as an audience member have to suspend your disbelief and understand that what you're listening to is the actor thinking it. Mm-hmm. But obviously they're doing a movie version of it where you can hear the actor's thoughts because yeah. movie magic. Right. Yeah, totally. But I think the reprise of Take Me to the World might have been the same thing or they may have been like cheering, like we got this, we got like whispering and saying that. But in in terms of like watching it and in the heat of the moment, I'm just like, guys, you're so loud. They're going to get you. I'm going to need you to bring it down to a pianissimo, you know? (laughs) Maybe just a piano. Yeah, just like, let's scale it back a little bit. Like, just don't, don't, don't belt your face off. Don't belt your face off. No, we don't, we don't need any belting. We don't need any harmonies. Just enjoy being with each other and try not to get caught. I'm really happy you brought up Wynn because I actually, I had forgotten about Wynn until I, I gave the movie another watch and it was actually, it was, kind of my favorite part too for all the reasons the great reasons that you brought up but you know if if they're gonna have that kind of internalized moment then why wouldn't they do that at the end if that's like what they were trying to portray you know or i don't know i'm trying or they were trying to sing each other to like to sleep and not think about how they were being chased and obviously it didn't um, work out very well for them I don't think they were talking. If you were to like pull the music out and Mm -hmm. be in the real world of this movie, I don't, I think they would have been quiet and maybe like breathing, Mm -hmm. like like that. Yeah, totally, totally. But because it's a musical and because you could belt your face off, they belted their faces off. (laughs) And look where it got them. (laughs) (laughs) They got caught. They got caught. When, though, that one blew my mind because at first I couldn't tell if Charles and Ella were singing to each other 
mm-hmm. or if they were just singing their own thoughts that just so happened to be the same as one another. Yeah. And then it got a little more clear, but then also you have fucking Mrs. Monday. Fuck her. But she's yeah, gorgeous. seriously. <laughs> what? But like straight up, she can fuck off. But <laughs> fuck off, but diva. Um, <laughs> they're playing, we all kind of love her, you know. <laughs> they're playing bridge, and obviously his mind is wandering to her, to Ella. But like, they're playing bridge in the real world, so he's he's doing something that I've only ever seen on like Zoe's extraordinary playlist to name another mm-hmm. musical co- that does this convention where a song is happening, but also a scene is happening that has nothing to do with the song. It's very yeah. fascinating. It is. Well, and what I, what I found really interesting about it too, and it's just, it shows to the Sondheim brilliance, right? Like, or it speaks to the Sondheim brilliance that, the things that were being said in the scene were showing up in the lyrics too. Like she would, they would say something. Oh, what was it? I would have to pull the lyrics up, but something like he had uh, the something of hearts, like when he was looking at yes. the, at the yes. cards and all of a sudden that like clicked a thought in his mind. About, hearts two oh, of hearts or whatever, something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, and I just thought that was like so clever because that kind of stuff happens in our real life, right? You know, like where, uh, so, I mean, not necessarily always breaking out into song in your head. I mean, I do that every day. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. Okay. Yeah, me too. Low key. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Welcome to the world is, ha- is uh, you know, take me to the world, I should say, is happening in my brain right now. So I, th- I mean, what else would you wouldn't want anything else to happen, right? But, you know, but like something that we say to someone or someone says to us triggers another thought in our head, right? And then it goes off, yes. like we go off on our own internal tangents, and so it only makes sense that like something like this would feed into the song in the way oh, that it did so lyrically. Beautiful. It's so, it's just so smart. It's so I'm, smart. I mean, I'm a huge Sondheim fan. So you give me a song. You, when you told me about this, you were like, it's Sondheim. And I went done. That's all you needed to say. Yeah. I think <laughs> what you almost collapsed and we're like, well, we're obviously doing this. <laughs> we're, uh, we're obviously doing this movie. <laughs> Or TV episode. I don't know. Yeah, TV like movie? TV, TV movie. TV movie. So I want to talk about for a quick second the shadow people or whatever they're called. Shadow men? The dark men. Who are they? <laughs> yeah, because they don't really talk about it that much in the movie. They're just these like figments that show uh, show up and... I mean, I guess it it seems like what they do is that they take people away that are not behaving in the way that the department store society wants them to. And then... Right, but like, who are they? Oh, <laughs> are like, they who, like literally, like... like I literally, who are they? Did they say? Did I miss it? I mean, I was orgasming over the Sondheimness of it all. Like, <laughs> did, I, did I miss them say these are men? It sounded like, though... No, they said something. Okay, my brain's not working. Um, they mentioned that they were from another store. Or I, yeah, I honestly, God, in terms of what was better. said, I know, no, it's fine because I'm, I'm kind of, I'm blanking too. And but what they said, I don't know that they really explained it in the movie. Just that you know, the dark men come and take you away, hmm. and that's kind of. I mean, the movie's the really only like an hour and twenty minutes, if that. Oh, if that, if that. It's so short. It's very short. Yeah. And I think it's part, I think that's also part of it, it, at least in in terms of the movie and also like tying in Ella's fear of them and why she's been 
basically, yeah. you know, she's been kept captive by for Mrs. Money for for years, right? You know. Okay. Also, wait. I know this is a side tangent, but can we just talk for a second about how her mom lost her in the department store, and I guess <laughs> didn't feel the need to like come back and find her? Because... I had I had that moment too, where I was just like, "Do you forget about people when they go missing?" It's like, where, where is your store? mother? Is she too busy buying gloves? Like, I don't understand why that would happen. Maybe and... this is why Stern's closed, because that's where they filmed it. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that's why. I mean, originally they were going to do it in Macy's, but Macy's pulled out at the last minute. So really, like, Stern's, you're here. And Stern's, the building was massive mm-hmm. from what I, what I see in pictures and vaguely remember from my childhood. But like... Yeah, they decided to go there to film it. Wow. They filmed on site. And uh, because, you know, uh, ABC Stage 67 was based in New York, I believe. And every week it was like they would do various styles of performance. So like there'd be a play or in this case, a new musical Mm -hmm. or a dance piece. So um, it only lasted one season. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So there are 26 episodes and that's it. And this was one of them. (laughs) I mean, what a, what a story to, to pick. (laughs) Yeah. Another fun fact that I just want to throw at you right now. Yeah. Hit me with it. Is that speaking of ABC, they didn't like the title. So Sondheim made a suggestion and they didn't like it either. So they went back to Evening Primrose and his suggestion was calling it a little night music no way yeah i mean that's from imdb so grain of salt guys it could i mean that's it would fit like it's you know i'm it, really i'm really glad they didn't end up using it so that he could have that like on reserve for yeah that was the, a little night music but that was the thing too i don't understand why they called it evening primrose john collier i don't know maybe yeah, the, i was wondering the same thing actually Maybe like Primrose was the name of the department store in the short story. I'm not and sure. that would make sense. I mean, there was a Twilight Zone episode called The After Hours, which is basically the same. But instead of a cult of humans pretending to be mannequins, they were mannequins that come to life at the end. Oh, good. Like they come to life at night and the same ending happens. <laughs> <laughs> Where the we love to see it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's from the '60s, so it happened. Obviously, you can tell that they were probably um, inspired by the short story, but it wasn't. Necessarily yeah, I'm it. wondering if any of John Collier's writing contributed to things like Twilight Zone and must have. Because watch, watching this, you, watching the movie itself, you're just like, I can see this as a Twilight Zone episode, and then oh, I absolutely. looked into it, and I was like, it kind of was <laughs> someone else thought the same thing rod, Ster- rod serling definitely did <laughs> so obviously you've had a relationship with this movie for years at this mm-hmm. point almost a decade let's yeah say. i would say that's about right and i and you've sung songs from it did you know that there's a stage version there was a stage version of it no <laughs> what I'm, I told you what little facts I found. I'm so happy I'm blowing your mind away. You're blowing my mind right now. No, I didn't know. Well, because I was also, I was wondering like how this would, 
Because it's such a a made for TV, made for film kind of thing that I'm. But you could do it if you like beefed up the songs, like made it more songs than Mm -hmm. music. Yeah. It was staged in London in 2005 as part of a lost musical series. (laughs) I just love it. And then in 2010, there was a semi staged performance in New York City at John Jay College. With Candace Bergen as Mrs. Monday. Oh man. Wild. I I'm in. I wish I wish I saw it instead of graduating undergrad. <laughs> I think honestly it would have been worth it. Would have been worth it. <laughs> Bye guys. I gotta go see this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'll you know I'll, BRB. We'll be back. <laughs> Fuck you all. I gotta I gotta see Murphy Brown sing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, uh, well, this was going to sound like a really bitchy thing and I don't mean it in a bad way, but I was like, she definitely has the face for Mrs. Monday. You know, I feel like she just like oh, has that like yes. stern resting bitch, but also like we want to worship her face. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I mean, she's uh, 2010. She probably was a little young to play Mrs. Monday. Mm-hmm. Cause like the way that I imagined the people there is that they are maybe in their seventies or eighties. Yeah, they're they're pretty. They're they're getting up there for sure. They're they're old enough to still like move around on waltz and everything, but like Oh my god, the ball. I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> oh the ball. The where, ball. Where they're clearly there's clearly a plan afoot, like mischief happening. And- oh, oh yeah. And I mean, Charles just doesn't see it. I don't know. Well, okay. This is also the same person that didn't realize that he turned an intercom on and also started belting. Oh my God. That intercom moment where I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> it's like, man, dude, you're just like, he's, this is part of why I do not like Charles very much because he just like does not actually pay attention to what's happening around him. And he has such an idealistic mind of the world around him and the people that are in that world that he's like, sure, I can just press all these random buttons and then profess my love to you through song and nobody else is going to hear it. Like nobody, nobody. Nobody. And it's like, so really the reason they got caught is because Charles isn't technologically savvy. So thanks a lot. And And then they built their faces off while in the delivery truck at the end. I think it's the song. It's the song's problem. The song is cursed. Take, take, although, okay, so you said that it's the one of the most known duets of Sondheim. It's also the cursed one in this It's movie. the cursed one. <laughs> Don't sing it, guys. You'll get caught. Yeah, just let's, let's just retire the song now. But watching this movie, I mean, I feel like you can easily translate it to the stage i yeah. mean obviously you probably can't have an escalator i mean nowadays you probably you, 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 could, you could but like if you're doing it i'm thinking of like all theaters like not just broadway mm-hmm. so like the community theater mm-hmm. that is like kind of semi-serious about things we don't really hey listen we all know them yeah we know them like their <laughs> pro- their production of it they probably wouldn't have the the elevator the not elevator <laughs> escalator escalator yeah but like you can totally do the show I, th- I feel like it is very adaptable I think just some of the moments that you'll that you'll miss I mean it'll just it'll be something different which I think is what the the beauty of stage musicals and then also movie musicals that like 
they're two different art forms. Like obviously they're both musical and wonderful, but you can express that in different ways because you can't express things the same way over film that you can on stage and vice versa. So like what I loved about this being a movie musical is like all of those really tight, like Alfred Hitchcock S shots of like the doorknob turning or like the close up on Mrs. Monday's face and stuff like that. You know, it's, the camera moving around the waltzers at the ball. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I get I get it. I love mm-hmm. every second of this. But like, you can see it being on stage too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Obviously, I think they were on a soundstage for most of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, and I, I actually wrote that down in one of my notes of it being like a mix of an Alfred Hitchcock movie and then a taped stage play. Yeah. Yes. I think that's like very cool. That poor guard, by the way. I like, know. You think he's dead? Oh, for sure. So he's so he's the third. So you know, at the, at the end where they're in the window, <gasps> he's the other guy. He's the oh other guy. Oh my god! I mean, yeah, I know. I gotta say, I'm so happy I bought this movie on Prime because now I can rewatch it. Yay! I'm happy you did too. <laughs> but I want I want to. I want to challenge Steven Sondheim in case he's listening to this. And I <laughs> fucking A, I hope he is. Cause that'll oh just, God. I'll just die right here and now. <laughs> um, please turn this into a stage version. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. And um, let's both, uh, you and I work on it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, hire, hire me. But like, hire me. <laughs> so in terms of the movie, how many days do you think happen? I don't know. It's it seems like it's a decent amount of time though. It seems like he gets Charles gets comfortable with everyone. Mm-hmm. But if you told me that it was a day, I'd be like, yeah, I totally believe you. But I don't know if that was me or if that's also Well, I mean, I could also understand that because he immediately professes his love to Ella, just like right off the bat. You know, so like <laughs> he doesn't their love doesn't develop over time. He's just like, um, I want to escape from the world, but you're perfect and I must have you in your mind. And she's like, what are you doing? You know, like it, he just, he jumps from zero to 60, just like in two seconds. So I think if we didn't see some, uh, but that happens in musicals a lot. Too. I, I know. That I happens know. In, in movies as well. Like not just musicals that happens a lot. In it for sure does. Oh, definitely. Cause it felt like he got comfortable with his space that Mrs. Monday assigned to him and then he got comfortable with them because the other people were like a little hesitant to make him one of them yeah oh you mean when they all followed him to go see mrs monday and it was just like a swarm of old people pretending to be mannequins just like going up to this fake house where she was getting her hair done like (laughs) yeah and then they were it's interesting because i'm just like okay anthony perkins and Charmaine Carr that's how you pronounce her name let's go with it which I didn't know that she's fucking Liesel yeah I was I had I looked her up because you know I was just like oh I wonder what she's what (laughs) fucking Liesel the two of them they're young enough that they don't have sagging skin or wrinkles or anything no offense older folks but like come on uh (laughs) it's it's, uh the truth of the matter but, like, they look like they can be mannequins. hmm Roscoe kind of passed for me, too. Yeah. But, like, looking at Mrs. Monday, I was just like, 
ooh, your skin is not as tight as it once was. <laughs> well, and I guess that's also, so my question is like, are they mannequins then the whole day when the store is open or do they go hide somewhere? Because yeah, that's, that's that- like a long, I feel like that's a small plot hole just because like, that's a long time to pretend to be a mannequin. And you would imagine that like, Somebody that works there would be like, oh, well, this outfit is out of season. Let's go and change them and like, you know, and like move them around. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I'm just like, okay, well, what happened here? <laughs> Maybe we should read the short story. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, sh- I should have done more work. Uh, I'm so bad. I'm no, sorry. To, are you to kidding me? You're kidding so me? Sorry, no, but... do not apologize. Don't, li- don't listen to it. Don't listen to him. Don't apologize. No reason. Uh, part of me also wishes that Mrs. Monday had a song. That would be great. He could have given her a villain a song. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, absolutely. it doesn't. I'm not expecting Last Midnight here, but just something. Oh, talk about a song that's going to be stuck in my head now. <laughs> so good, <laughs> so good. Um, well, yeah. I mean, also like he had he had the con- constraints of a an hour long, give or take movie musical like imagine if this had been a full musical or right like even a 90 minute which i think from what my understanding is of abc stage 67 mm-hmm. is that they had even tighter restrict restrictions on everything okay. so like obviously when you write a musical unlike what smash teaches us and i will forever and always say that even though it was the first two episodes that i did um (laughs) it doesn't take a week (laughs) for you (laughs) to write like a full production and then you're still working on it Mm -hmm. um you have like it takes years and you have to go through um readings and things like that i think though he probably only had if you told me he had anywhere between two months to a year i'd be like yeah i totally see it for sure because it it seems like even the music just seemed like it was very fast Mm -hmm. like not thought out and everything fast not like speed wise yeah no (laughs) for sure i got you you know you have take me to the world which is like the songs were great Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong i just wish there were more personally i do too I know that like writing lyrics and obviously um, not only writing the actual words, but then also writing (laughs) the melody to it and the Mm -hmm. harmonies and all that takes a lot of time, but uh, come on, just give me like one more song. Mm -hmm. Maybe two, maybe two more songs. Okay. Maybe like five more songs. Like I would just love like a solid group number with all of the old people. Yes. It's like a, a tiny song and dance or a song and shuffle with them <laughs> a song and shuffle, shuffle. <laughs> like like are you thinking like a side by side but like menacing oh yeah that's exactly what i'm thinking gotcha gotcha <laughs> i'm not we're on the same we're on page the same here. page <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to like talk about before we go into sharps and flats oh i also i'm so excited to go into sharps and flats um i think it's such a great idea is there anything else i want to talk about i'm trying to think uh Did I'm you have over my notes in, in your notes that you looked up that you saw. oh well uh no i mean like i had i i did like 
free writing, uh, like free write my thoughts as I'm listening to these things. And one yes. of the one of the ones that I wrote down, which is just like Sam. Oh, come on. But it's uh, I wrote down. Imagine how. Oh, this was during um, if you can find me, I'm here. Um, I was like, imagine how different Psycho would have been if Anthony Perkins uh, had broken out into song when he came into the room dressed as mother. (laughs) (laughs) That was, I mean, that, so yeah, that's, that's what goes through my head when I watch this movie. Yeah. Like he wasn't bad. Like everyone was great in this. I mean, kudos to everyone, but oh my God, can you just imagine Psycho the musical? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Sondheim, write it. Sondheim, write it. Yeah, please, please write it. <laughs> but first, yeah. fi- like, write, finish writing this as a state. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's um, we need to, we need to. We'll send him a list. We'll send him a to do list. Well, I mean, he really has music. He just has to put words to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love some instrumental set the mood like thematic music, but I would love, like you were saying, love some more lyrics and story development. And you know what I'm really pissed about. I can't find this on iTunes. I know there's a, so on, on Spotify, there is a, a, like an album that's the frogs and evening primrose. Yes. That one, that one I found, but it's like Neil Patrick Harris. It's, it's, it's a, it's a strange ditty and it's a strange one. And I would, I would love to just like find a full album of this. Yeah. Cause like, I know that they released it a few years ago like literally a few years ago, not in the sixties. Like we're, we're talking 2010s here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I'm surprised though, that there's no digital copy of it. Cause I, I want to hear this music and uh, Anthony Perkins and Char, what's her name again? Charmaine Carr singing, take me to the world and belting their faces off. Yes. I would. I'm here for that. I want to add that to my, uh, my <laughs> uh, subway commute playlist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get into Sharps and Flats. Sharp! Flat! So, obviously, in this section, we are going to highlight moments in the movie, because this is a movie. And if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. Mm -hmm. What are your sharps? It's funny because the first thing I thought of was a flat, but let me go with the sharps first. Um, I like to start positive. No, that's definitely a good idea because my flat is more a broad stroke thing, which I've kind of already mentioned. Sharp as just like an over, over, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Words. What are words? Uh, like overall sharp and overall sharp that I have is uh, the cinematography, I which we've kind of also talked about yes. too. I love, love, love how it was filmed. Because again, it speaks to that like Twilight Zone creepy, um, and the fact that it's in accidentally in black and white makes it work even more. I I think so too. Like I I would love to see it in color just out of curiosity, but I love it. I'm very happy that it's in black and white. Yeah, because like it helps the creep factor, and then when the dark people show up, mm-hmm. you're just like, ooh, shadow men, like <laughs> yeah. Whichever one that they actually use, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I, they're they're creepy people that stand in shadows and basically turn do like human taxidermy, which is just <laughs> horrifying. And I'm sorry I even said that, but that's the, the very uh, unfortunate. But what happens in the but movie. that's the truth of the matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is what happens. I think it just set the the mood so well, and I'm I'm just trying to imagine, and that's why I'm also curious to see. I want to see the rest 
of the episodes from this series because I'd be curious to see how this differs from the other shows that they present at that uh, time. Let's see. I have I have a list here of some things that happened. The love story of Barney Kempinski. It was a play by Murray Sheesgull, Sheesgull, starring Alan Arkin. Dare I Weep, Dare I Mourn is a play by Stanley Mann based on a story starring James Mason and Hugh Griffith. Olympus 7-0000 is a musical comedy by Richard Adler and featuring Larry Blinden, Donald O'Connor, and Phyllis Newman. Okay, well, that's obviously going at the top of my list. Oh, my God. What was the first, before Donald O'Connor's name, what was the first name that you said? Larry Blyden. Oh, for, I got so excited for a second. I thought you said Blynn. And I was like, what? (laughs) There's another one? (laughs) Oh, my God. Maybe I'll have you come back and we'll do Olympus 7000 or whatever it's called. uh... The the Canterville Ghost, an original musical version of of Oscar Wilde Tale by jerry bach and sheldon harnick Harnick? it's a bach and harnick musical it's a bach and harnick yeah and it stars michael redgrave douglas fairbanks jr peter noon and frankie howard it seems wow this is this is kind of wild but then there's also um i saw this as well there's also the legend of marilyn monroe and it's a documentary um about the film star narrated by john houston Mm -hmm. um so they have that and then they have a the chris a christmas memory which is an adaptation of a truman capote's novella uh the light fantastic is a lighthearted look of the influence of dance on society with lauren bacall and john forsyth (laughs) so there's a lot and i was literally just reading off the wikipedia page that's wild so but yeah i will hunt down (laughs) that other one and we're oh yeah gonna no fucking do it we're gonna fucking do it and i am i am here i am ready for it <laughs> i have very strong feelings about donald o'connor so like i oh uh, my life <laughs> okay 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 um for me though i my sharp was anthony perkins he yeah was, he he was great the character problematic but like yes i didn't know he could sing because yeah, obviously he, we know him from Psycho. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. No, he was, he does, I think, a really, really nice job. And it's cool to see him in a role like this, where it's still kind of weird and creepy, but it's not stabbing people in the shower and dressing up as your mother. You know, it shows, it shows a uh, range. Right. And then no. I tried, I, I tried to look up a lot uh, more on him, but it seems like he only did like straight acting pieces he mm-hmm. i think this was his only musical that he did wow and yeah even, he he does a really nice job yeah. I, I like his voice a lot actually i mean i know he patters in a lot of his songs but like he could hold a tune mm-hmm. i'm not mad about it okay now what are your flats <laughs> sorry to be like oh well i have a flat right away don't worry i've got flats too but like um, what are your flats well i mean my overarching flat is charles Um, yeah i wrote that too oh god he just pisses me off well i was a little more specific i just wrote charles charles's predatory like manner yes because like i'm okay with him being delusional and like i'm a poet 
because yeah. I, I, I like to say I'm a podcaster, even though I'm a little delusional about it, but like, cause um, I understand. Ex- <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. We are currently on a podcast that you are hosting and completely crushing right now. Yeah, but like, so, I'm not, I'm not a pod. I'm not like this American life or whatever. <laughs> not yet. Not they yet. started somewhere too. That's true. But like, I, his, yeah, his predatory nature, like manner with her, with Ella. And I was just like, Ooh, no means no her body her rules yeah totally and also like taking advantage of the fact that mentally she's kind of still six years old like is that kind of is that really weird for me to say you know what i mean is she eight or six or something i mean she she says that she didn't she like didn't uh doesn't have like passing a kindergarten education yeah she's still the child that she was when she was lost yeah and so i shouldn't say like mentally she's still sexual because that that has really horrifying (gasps) implications but wait a second i just had a thought i just had a thought oh my gosh i'm so so excited i just had a thought is okay okay go with me on this i'm ready is the store supposed to be a metaphor for purgatory (gasps) oh because think about it you have all the old people She's there. Her mom didn't look for her, and he just sh- and and Charles just shows up. So is it supposed to be? Oh my god! I it think my mind exploded. That, it kind of has that vibe. I mean, I totally see where that thought came from. And then the dark men like usher them to the afterlife. So that's why they are the mannequins because they are. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Oh. I think okay. that's I think that's a very interesting uh take on it. I, I'm gonna need to lie down after that one. <laughs> uh but before I get to lie down, um <laughs> are there any songs? I, I'm including the instrumental ones. Right. Are there any songs that you would like to add to your life's playlist? I just I have a really special place in my heart for this because it was a song that I worked on, but I remember I think it's just absolutely beautiful. Like really when you break it down in terms of what she's saying. And I think um I wasn't a big fan of her actual performance of the song. And overall, I really liked her in the movie. You didn't like Liesl? Come on. I mean, although I love Liesl. I love Liesl, but I think, and it's part of, it's part of what I absolutely love about Sondheim is that there's so much depth and so much complexity to all of the music that he does. And he tells really amazing stories. And that's why, I mean, he's, he is the actor's composer because he gives he gives you everything that you need to know about the character and right in the song it's like i i would maybe people might not like me saying this but i'm going to say it both as a musical theater and shakespeare nerd i (laughs) equate his work on musicals to shakespeare's work with fascinating and and i mean that goes into a whole nother tangent about shakespeare and his style of writing which is not what this podcast is about um so we're gonna set that to the side but um (laughs) when you listen to it and really listen to what she's talking about it's a really heartbreaking song and so for me that's probably my you know obviously we don't have that many to pick from but i would say that that's my favorite song in the show regardless of my own personal relationship with it and then actually i mean we've talked about it a lot but when was my surprise second place winner for a song you can have you can have more than one i wrote two you don't have it the the question is pluralized you could add as many as you want oh man well then everything no but um (laughs) every single one and the ones he hasn't written yet (laughs) no but i think i think when when is when is up there with i remember and really i mean we've covered already why that song is great but 
Um, it's funny. I wrote the I, I wrote down the other two. I didn't write down checklist. I wrote down if you can find me, I'm here and take me to the world. <laughs> Listen, that's great though. We're we're covering we're covering. So, what was it about those songs in particular for you? Well, I'm going to tell you. Probably uh, here's why I'm not going to pick one. I'm thinking about I'm on the subway. I've got my headphones in. I'm ignoring everyone else because that's what you do. And so you have the audio version only of it. Mm-hmm. So when for me relies on the visual, I would agree. At, at least in this representation of it, if the inevitable stage version happens maybe when is done differently that it can yeah. be more of an audio version but like i like i liked more the visual aspect of that song yeah um if you can find me i'm here i like i said i equated it to i'm still here and i fucking love that song mm-hmm. totally so it just felt like uh hi guys i'm still alive you know mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and it's such, I think it's just such a strong song to start the story off with. Yes. You know, it really starts it off with a bang. And I appreciate that it's there for that. Because I think it would, I honestly think it would have been really hard for people to get on board with the absurdity of this story if it didn't have a, you know, in terms of the musical version of it, right? Right. If it didn't have as strong of a song as that. And I think, you know, they really hit it out of the park with it. And then take me to the world is just a banger. Like it is, it is a banger. And I, you know, and I, I actually, and I agree with you in terms of like listening to it on its own out of the context of the show. I would, I would actually agree that those to those two songs because, like you said, when really needs that visual, and it's it's a song that I would definitely skip over if I was on. I mean, you could still pick it. I don't want to. Oh yeah. Oh no, I definitely, you. I definitely, no, 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 no. I definitely do still pick it. <laughs> yeah yeah. But, I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to like you know persuade you to the dark side but like oh my god no but it's well what i actually really like about this discussion right now is we chose the songs for different reasons yes i you mean know? i i also may have picked take me to the world because of the disco version and when you listen to it like you have to listen to the whole album and then you get to that song and you'll understand a lot that's happening and you'll see why i picked it like I said, I may have, once I realized it was on that, I may have been a little biased and influenced, but like yeah. not by much. I mean, listen, we uh, we like what we like, and it's that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of different people and different opinions and everything. And also now, like once we're done with this, I'm immediately going to start playing that album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I also sometimes ask ask my guests this in the stage version that inevitably is going to happen at some point in history who would you want to play doesn't matter gender be be damned like you could play anyone who would it be i mean like i would want to play mrs monday yes (laughs) i mean because you know like the easy whatever answer is ella because that's also that feels just like very on type, but at the same time, that's not who I would want to play. I would want to play Mrs. Monday, Mrs. Monday with a fierce, fierce song. Well, just figure, like we said, it's like hour. It wasn't an hour and a half. It was less than that. It was less. I think it was, I think it just hit an hour. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I know. I know. They pack in a lot in a very short it, amount of time. It felt longer. Oh no, you're right. It's an hour. God damn it. Um, but obviously for a stage version, they're going to probably 
beef it up and add another hour to it. Which and I think they should. What's a better way to do that? Add more songs. Add I'm just songs. I'm just saying. So inevitably, Mrs. Monday is going to have a song. Yeah. So well, and that's the thing. Two. Or two. I mean, well, and that's that's what I would love to see more of is more of a backstory on who these people are. You know, especially someone like Mrs. Monday. I want to know what how she got there why she is the way she is and also why she's like the head of this community what was it about her that everybody was like yeah so she's gonna be the person that we listen to oh my god oh my god another brilliant idea that i just had <laughs> i i love these moments ready. it happens all the time just go with go with me on it Take me to the world reprise in the stage version, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously, they're belting their faces off and getting hunted by the dark men. Of course. You have Mrs. Monday and her clan of people, though, singing the same song, but in like a minor key. <gasps> oh. Right. Oh, I love a good right. minor key. I mean, like maybe with obviously different lyrics, because, yeah, you know they'll be like this is our world you're get you're leaving it <laughs> i think that'd be really cool i think that'd be really cool also because <laughs> oh, they must have done that uh, they've done this to other people right so it's it's very yeah they it, mentioned other people that they yeah uh, it's very formulaic in that way or they are a proced- i should say procedural like they have they have a, pr- a procedure set in place when uh they have to get rid rid of somebody when somebody new enters and then when they have to get rid of them and it is just very much like one of us or not at all and i think uh (laughs) you know i think having a a minor version of take me to the world it would be a great way to do that uh well sam i am spent after having all these brilliant ideas that we have come (laughs) to the end of the episode oh man do you have anything you want to plug, promote? Uh, yeah, I've actually uh, recently been uh, recording another podcast. <gasps> um, you didn't know. tell me for your intro? God damn I'm it. I'm sorry. I know. I wanted to leave it as a surprise. Uh, so it's the podcast is called Tabling the Podcast. Um, and it, actually, this version of it is a resurgence of a podcast that I was a part of um, a couple years ago. It's being run by a dear friend of mine. Um, from grad school so oh something else I didn't include before is that I I in after I did musical theater in undergrad I went to grad school um over in London and I spent a year studying uh Shakespeare and classical theater ah there we go yeah so you understand our our boy Billy S gotcha oh yeah 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 well I know I know a little 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 bit about him a little something Um, (laughs) a little something something and um, yeah, so we have this, uh, I was invited to be a part of this great podcast. Again, it's called Tabling the Podcast. And it's where we sit down with one of Shakespeare's plays and we do a cold read of it and then have an open discussion about the play and kind of treat it as like the first day of table work of what you would do going into a rehearsal room. So we do some character analysis, we do some his- history analysis on it and discuss um, discuss the play. And I really love for you guys to check it out. And then do you guys break it up into smaller episodes or is yeah, it like so a each... three hour long episode? Um, yes and yes. So we we do um, 
each episode, it's not actually three hours long, I promise. Um, but we, we do, uh, each episode is a different act of the play. So the one that I worked on most recently was Henry the fourth part two, um, which is a great, great play. And we, uh, it, that's, you know, mo- uh, Shakespeare's plays are five acts. So it's, uh, generally five episodes per play and we it's a group of actors led by one person who um acts as our director um if for that episode is my friend ariana who runs the podcast and um we read through it and she leads us in a discussion about the act that we've just read Ooh, well invite them if they want to be on another uh, an episode of this Uh, yeah absolutely you could have them email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. Yes. Or find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at buttasongpod. And that's also to you, the public that is listening to uh, our, our smooth voices. Um, yep. And if, yeah, if you, if you want to learn more about Tabling the Podcast, um, you can go to tablingthepodcast.com, which is, has information about upcoming episodes as well as socials to follow. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. I'll make sure to add that in the show notes whenever this episode comes out. Yeah, so I did my plugs. Obviously, as the listener, you're you're more than welcome to write your thoughts and feelings about Sondheim, Evening Primrose. Maybe tell us what the goddamn short story is about because we haven't <laughs> read it. Uh, as of the recording, we have not read it. And then if you want to be part of ne- next episode's discussion, we'll be talking about Disney's The Little Mermaid. Sam, Samantha, whatever you like to be called. I don't know which one you prefer. They're both my name. So I love it all. Take me to to your world. Oh. Oh. (laughs) You slay me. How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) Bazinga. Bazinga. Oh, my heart. Oh, my heart. All right, guys. Bye for now. Bye, guys. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.